This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. In just a few weeks, New York City residents will vote for a new mayor, picking their top five candidates out of a field of 13 Democrats and two Republicans. Using a ranked choice voting for the very first time, New Yorkers are being asked to choose from a spectrum of candidates who are almost entirely without experience holding political office. Initially, Andrew Yang, the insurgent presidential candidate from last year who campaigned on the idea of a universal basic income, had surged to the top of the pack. But now, as concerns over crime are dominating headlines, the progressive favorite Maya Wiley, who has said she would defund the police, is going head-to-head against Eric Adams, who has made tackling crime his top concern. My guest is Liza Featherstone, columnist for Jacobin, a freelance journalist and the author of Selling Women Short, the landmark battle for workers' rights at Walmart. She's also a contributing writer to The Nation magazine. And her new article about the New York City mayoral race in The Nation was called The Low Information Mayor. Welcome to the program, Liza. Thank you so much, Sonali. So you wrote your article about Andrew Yang, and since it was published, the dynamics of the race have changed quite significantly. But let's start with Yang himself. Why did you call him the low-information mayor, and what was it that, at least for a time, catapulted him to the lead? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I called him the low-information mayor because it is striking how much, um, you know, he he doesn't know. You know, I mean, he's... um, he he is a you know very um sort of personable and um and you know, opinionated um guy you know like a lot of new yorkers um but um he has he has this um strange quality which is that everything he says sounds perfectly reasonable unless you know anything about the topic you know so the things that um the you know most political people in new york have been consumed with for years all you know education equity issues um regulation of of finance i mean all those things like he just doesn't know anything about any of that um and um and so i i thought that that uh, was 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 pretty striking but on the to give him credit he has and i think this is really what catapulted him into the beginning of the field and kept him there for so long is um he has a real intuitive feel for um the things that people who don't care about politics care about you know so he would talk a lot um about he he would talk a lot about the violent crime um the which there has been a slight increase um in violent crime especially murders and people are very alarmed about that and um and you know for a lot of a lot of political people especially on the left um it doesn't loom large psychically so you know the progressive candidates don't talk about it that much um but it's it's very important to um to the majority of voters um here and then and you know similarly he would talk a lot about you know reopening from the lockdown from the pandemic you know especially reopening schools and again that really speaks to most people's experience it is also is kind of um a silly thing from a policy point of view since he'll be taking office in January 2022 and um all you know the 
most people will be vaccinated and the pandemic concerns will largely be resolved by then. I I thought that that was something uh, very interesting about him is that um, he, he has this gift for knowing exactly what people are feeling and thinking about right now to um, those of us who um, kind of understand political issues, he sounds ridiculous a lot of the time. So of the 13 Democrats, there have been kind of eight that have risen to the top three of them are women. There's Maya Wiley, Catherine Garcia, Diane Morales, and each of them have at some point been seen as a leading candidate. Now Maya Wiley is being seen as one of the progressive leading candidates, perhaps because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez endorsed her from mayor. What do you make of these women candidates who are among the top Democrats in the race? Are they, um, you know, are they sort of, you know, is it a progressive dream to have this many pretty high, highly qualified women candidates who are also fairly progressive in various ways? It's, it's one of those things that looks a little better from afar than up close, the, the field of women candidates in this race, um, I'd say. First of all, the fact that the women were eclipsed for so long by these wildly mediocre and unqualified men was outrageous. I mean, you know, that Andrew Yang was surging in the polls for so long when, you know, someone like Catherine Garcia, who's had extensive experience in government and really knows what she's talking about. Well, that's kind of um, insulting, you know, um, but, um, and also he, he uh, and Yang would repeatedly re- say that he wanted her to be his deputy mayor, which is also pretty insulting. Very patronizing. Oh. Yeah, very patronizing. <laughs> So, um, you know, feminists have, um, we have ample cause for annoyance in this race. Um, On the other hand, looking closely at the women, um, they're certainly better than than the two male frontrunners, Andrew Yang or um, Eric Adams. They're certainly um, more progressive and more qualified than them. I guess not more qualified than Eric Adams, but certainly more progressive than either person and um, and much more qualified than Yang. But each of them in their way are not great. <laughs> so um, Catherine Garcia, who um, I want to, I want, really want to love because um, she is so experienced and I firmly believe that um, government functioning smoothly is such an important thing that um, the left often underrates, you know, that any for anything that we on the left want to accomplish, people have to have a faith in government, people have to believe that things are really going to work. That and it's an underrated going. aspect of progressive wish list issues. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is. And um, and so, you know, for that reason, you know, the fact that she has run the sanitation department, I mean, people really want their, if people's garbage is not picked up, people are not going to uh, buy any of your more utopian ideas, you know. So I really think that um, I, I, I like I like her for all that. Unfortunately, her actual politics are pretty neoliberal and technocratic. I mean, pretty neoliberal in um, in very disturbing ways. New York City's tenant laws have recently become um, gotten much more progressive. We've seen a lot of um, reform um, on um, renters' rights in recent years. 
Um, and um, and she's really um, not for all that. She is not a friend to the tenants. Um, she's um, expressed a lot of sympathy with the landlord class. Um, and, um, and I think she would be a real ally of big real estate, which is really um, one of the, you know, if you look at what the sort of big special interests are that the progressive forces have to fight hardest in New York City politics, it would it is the real estate industry, whether it's on renters rights or zoning issues um, or anything else. Her affiliations there and her loyalties there are, are disquieting um, to say the least. So there's um, the issue, there's, there's, there's real estate and housing, there's education, which Yang likes to think he's some expert on. And then there's the issue of, of crime and police and New York City was a flashpoint, was a very, very important site of the protests, Black Lives Matter protests after George Floyd's killing last year. The NYPD was shown to have absolutely violated people's rights in a very serious way. And now there's a crime surge that is bringing the issue of police back into the Forefront. Tell me about, uh, as we continue our discussion on the women in the race, tell me about Maya Wiley's position. She's gotten into trouble for calling for defunding the police in, in a wealthy neighborhood with private security. Yes. I mean, this, I, I just, I, I have no words for how um, upsetting that is. I mean, so, um, so she has really um, enacted kind of the worst caricature of what um of like a conservative's idea of a progressive would be by um by calling very important very good one of the things that um a mayor actually can do and it's now it's now come out that her fancy neighborhood has a, a um private police private security patrol that neighbors can pay into and she and her husband um, have paid into this at, at various times. So to advocate defunding the police, but um, participate in your own form of privatized police, like privatized police for the very privileged. I mean, it is so embarrassing. I mean, I, I, I would say I am more or less a Maya Wiley supporter, but it is appalling and disturbing, and um, and it is indicative to me of how much the, um, particularly in this mayor's race, um, the progressive side really needs to get itself together around um, around policing and crime. So, what about Eric Adams? Is he someone who, because he is talking so much about crime and making it a central issue, although he's a Democrat, is does he stand a good chance of being? Uh, <laughs> of being mayor at this moment? The, the election is June 22nd, so it's coming up. Absolutely, he does. I mean, he's pulling ahead. I don't think that what New York City needs is um, a um, sort of a belligerent um, macho ex-cop um, with a um, fairly conservative, um, you know, to conservative to centrist politics. Um, I don't think this is what we need right now. However, we have unfortunately had um, a small surge in um, in 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 very disturbing, violent crimes in the city. 
and um, you know, and uh, even a small surge in in violent crime gets a lot of attention by the media because every death is more, you know, is one more death than than sh than should have been, and is tragic, and people are rightly upset by and it. The media likes to sensationalize these things, especially exactly. in New York City. We've had plenty of mayoral candidates and mayors in New York City in the past make this their central issue, Rudy Giuliani, in uh, you know the, the most most. Uh, high-profile uh, mayor to make a crime and solving crime his exactly. central issue. Exactly. And Eric Adams is the one who has been, you know, most, most out, you know, I mean, a 10-year-old was shot the other day in the Rockaways oh. and Eric Adams is awful. And, um, and, you know, you can't read about that stuff without getting upset. And right. Eric Adams is the one um, you know, is the one getting mad about it. And, you know, that gives him a real advantage. Um, and then, and, and then, uh, you know, also, I think there's something a little bit subtle going on, which is um, that um, um, he's black um, and he is a former cop and, um, and the, um, and the police unions have been critical of him at times um, because he has been critical of racist policing practices. And so I think that for people who who are upset about crime, but also upset about police violence against civilians, he has a lot of credibility, unfortunately. I mean, in my view, unfortunately, because he's not who I would like to see be the mayor. Um, but I think that that message of balancing those two priorities has has more traction right now than uh, than a straight up defund message though i mean i personally do support a defund the police i think that's our route to a more peaceful and less violent society but um, in but, addition uh, to the the police protests uh, new york city of course in the last year became the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic what role has that pandemic and and how it played out in new york city um you know, is is that a central issue in the mayoral election, or because things are opening up now, is it a moot point? Yeah. So, so I think it it, it was absolutely a signature issue for Yang, and it was really capturing where people were. Um, even a month ago, people were sick of lockdown restrictions. People were sick of not having their kids in school. Um, but now. Um, sensibly since the um you know most since more and more people are vaccinated the covid transmission rates are very low sensibly um you know on the city and state level um you know government are easing things up opening things up you know um my my son is in high school and he's playing sports and he's playing school sports again you know going to school a couple times a week you know things are getting a little you know and and businesses are under less restriction so i i think in a way one of the things you're seeing in the race is that um there was a just a visceral weariness of the pandemic um that um Andrew Yang was tapping into, um, and now that people really are um, not just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know, experiencing more of normal life again, he's kind of been deprived of that signature issue. What about Bill de Blasio, the current mayor's tenure, and how he took on that role? I remember when he was elected, he was seen as a 
progressive stalwart as someone promising and very quickly he disappointed progressives and has become a sort of embarrassment to progressives around the country in, in terms of those who hold office. Has How has Bill de Blasio's tenure affected or not the conversation around who would be a good mayor for the city? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think that um, a sense that de Blasio wasn't um, wasn't a great success um, does hang over the mayoral race and um, and it, it does it does somewhat tarnish the more liberal or progressive candidates. Um, although I think if any one of them were um, more dynamic and less um, riddled with um, stupid contradictions of their own making, um, they would be able to overcome that. Um, you know, I, I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that de Blasio, even in his very flawed um, govern, you know, even in his very flawed time in office, did show that a liberal or progressive um, mayor can do some things that make a real difference in people's lives. Um, not only did he get institute universal um, pre-K, um, which is now being extended to um, 3K for three-year-olds, um, and um, and um, he also made um, um, made school lunch universal and free, you know, um, which he doesn't get a lot of credit for, mm-hmm. and some other important reforms. He could have accomplished a lot more um, and didn't because he has a he's not that smart and he has a very kind of narcissistic Trumpy personality um, and you know just you know blames everybody else for his mistakes you know he was ne- he he was really never able to get out of the pocket of the real estate industry like most New York City mayors so he had a lot of um, there's a, a lot of failures but I think also. There was just a persistent low-level corruption in de Blasio's office, and that kind of thing really, really tarnishes government. Again, like, I mean, people really um, want to feel like that government is functioning and um, and that it's... And they um, want to have trust in it. Yeah, and want to have trust in it. And, um, and some of these progressive candidates are a little shady. Diane Morales, um, mm-hmm. for example, was found to have taken a bribe, um, you know, and she was also um, rated like a, a, an organization that she worked for, that she was the C- a CEO for, was rated one of the city's worst landlords. Um, she, like her entire staff has com- uh, quit over internal um, problems, um, including union busting on her own campaign. So there's a real sense that like oh, some of these people aren't who they say they are. Um, and the, and, and sort of, so the disappointment and corruption of the de Blasio campaign, unfortunately seems to be um reflected in some of these other progressive candidates. Finally, um, Liza, the for the very first time, New Yorkers will use ranked choice voting to pick not their favorite candidate, but their top five favorite candidates. This has long been seen as a more democratic approach to, and um, you know, how, how is it all gonna work? <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's very, it, this aspect of it is very interesting. Because of ranked choice voting, we um, we don't necessarily know how all of this is going to um, play out. Um, you know, not only 
our um, polls in local elections um, often kind of volatile and unreliable. But polling for this, I mean, you know, we we don't we don't really know um, how um, the you know the factor of you know who might rank Andrew Yang third is going to play out here. So, um, so that's um, so so one so one effect is that it's very um, unpredictable. Um, something else is, um, I mean, I personally I I like the idea of ranked choice voting, especially for general elections. It would be nice if, as a voter, you didn't always have to game the system by, you know, oh, well, who is going to be the most um, viable um, to beat the person I don't like? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just vote for whoever you thought was um, the best person and, you know, then just like rank all the people that you found acceptable? Like, I I like that idea. And it seems like it would strengthen um, alternatives and and insurgents. Uh, The Data, the studies on it show, though, that that is not the case. Um, that actually, um, it tends to um, it tends to favor um, the most centrist candidates um, in outcome because um, those are the people that everybody can live with at yeah. some <laughs> rank someplace. You know, yeah. um, that's really we just kind of replicate the system we have, right? Where centrists are generally at an advantage. Um, so, um, you know, so for example, um, Australia has um, ranked choice voting and they um, they have consistently, um, neo, you know, neoliberal centrist government. Yeah, if you think about the mechanism, I, I guess that does make sense. Um, but, you know, I always bought the, Green Party propaganda on it. <laughs> well, Liza, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We'll post a link to your article about Andrew Yang in The Nation from our website, and we'll certainly see how things play out on June 22nd, which is when the mayoral race is. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sonali. My guest has been Liza Featherstone. She's a columnist for Jacobin and the author of Selling Women Short, the landmark battle for workers' rights at Walmart, also a contributing writer at The Nation magazine. And her latest article about the New York City mayoral race about Andrew Yang was called The Low Information Mayor. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.